I think we pretty much came from the same same scenario, same background, right? As far as the the second generation kid kiddo that came to the states at a fairly young age, you know. Well, I think so. I don't know. I think we probably have a lot of similarities, but probably uh, there's areas where it's different too. You know, like uh, my my parents came over here on in '89. Well, my mom and I came over here in '89 in the U.S. and right before the Tiananmen Square, or right after the Tiananmen Square massacre. Uh, but they came. On, sure. <clears throat> my dad came on a scholarship. Okay. On a dance scholarship. But like many Chinese, they ended up in the restaurant business. <laughs> sure. But I know that's sure. a little no, different for you. Guys. So my my dad came uh, nineteen eighty six, right? Mm. I came to the states in nineteen eighty eight. So very similar time frame. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you guys are just one year before us. Yeah. Yep. And then my mom came on eighty eight during eighty seven, so we're just a year apart. So I probably came around the same time your parents arrived. Um, yeah, a, a year and, before. You know, I arrived and on. Where were you guys living before? So we moved to. So my dad was a, kind of like a scholar. He was working as a research fellow in um, UCLA in LA when okay. he first came. You know, because I actually you actually had put something on Facebook feed that was very had a very good insight saying that your father only came to the States with what, like a couple hundred dollars and trying to make it. And he made it by himself, you know, built a little empire. My dad came with probably 400 bucks, same situation. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was exactly the same. When I read it, you know, it was very heartfelt because it was like, I, I could, you know, do, so my dad went through the same thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. except uh, he was lucky that he had a, he got a, he got a job. Uh, like a full-time job doing uh, a visiting scholar doing uh, research at at UCLA, you know? So, so he had a pretty, he had like, I think it was 17,000 guaranteed salary. So he was ecstatic about that, you know, coming from literally nothing to 17 grand at the time, you know, that was pretty, that's a significant amount of uh, 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 cash. Doing yes, back then, uh, stable income yeah. was a big deal, you know. So that that's really good, right? I guess coming from the uh, a little bit of the education background, going straight into the industry certainly helps there. Yeah, and you know that's when uh, that's when Deng Xiaoping was uh, was in power. He he was the actual first leader of China that encouraged the uh, to open a door for yeah. the, for the Chinese, you know. So so. So yeah, my dad was pretty thankful. He's one of the first ones to 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 come to actually got on the train, right? And what was uh, what was his profession? So he used to be an abdominal surgeon in Asia. So he worked wow. at Shanghai First Medical University for a long time, and uh, wow. And so, well, he was when he came. He was exactly like my age. He was around 40, 41, 42, I believe. And he tried to pursue to try to take the um, the board exam and try to be certified, but that was a lot of work, you know. Mm-hmm. It was pretty exhausting, so he decided to just um, not just, but he decided to be a research fellow and just um, be in the laboratory setting and di- and did uh, medical research. So that's that. Um, yeah, sometimes it's it's amazing to think about, um, you know, like the age at which our parents immigrated 
and kind of had to start from almost the beginning again. You know, you think about the struggles they went through. Um, it kind of makes our own struggles feel like it's not such a big deal, right? It's a, it's a breeze, yeah, compared to what they go through. I mean, I remember he was telling me, like, stories that it's just like, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm just, like, kind of, like, wasting and squandering my money by paying 50, 60 bucks for dinner, you know? Like, he used to walk two hours to save $50 bus fare from UCLA, of like when he went to the beach to walk back to save 50 cents on a bus i'm like what <laughs> like it's it's like the story like, it's, it's, it's crazy you know so yeah. i guess it just yeah. makes us uh, appreciate what we have a little bit more after her some of the stories you know there's a lot of uh a lot of a uh, lot sure. of interesting stuff i'm sure you you parents probably share some of that story with you too right <laughs> Yeah, well, I remember, you know, my dad would talk about finding quarters in the payphone, you know, like if you want yep. to buy a payphone, just stick his finger in there. And sometimes you find a quarter, he'd be ecstatic about it. Uh, but yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Just, but when he, when he came as a, you know, he came on the dance scholarship, he wasn't really allowed to work. And so his only source uh-huh. of income uh, in the beginning was selling some jade. <laughs> like, my my family had given them some jade pieces to bring over, and he would sell that at like a flea market, uh, just for speed oh, really? and stuff. You know, uh, that's yeah. And then he would find all kind of odd ends and jo- all kind of strange jobs, like breaking up concrete. And uh, so he. So you guys all came uh, together, right? Mm-mm. mm-mm. Well, no. my, my dad came in 87. I came in 89. About. 89? Yeah. And both of your parents came at the same time? or Nope, just my father. I came with my okay. mom. Okay, okay, yeah. So I was 10, and I had taken the, the airplane by myself, I mean, to come, you know. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a, that must be interesting. Do you remember that? What was that like? Oh, I remember it vividly because uh, there was a delay in San Francisco by about two and a half hours. So I had to borrow some, like, uh, I had some quarters. Like, somebody give me some, I asked someone for some quarters that made a phone call from San Francisco. be like, the flight's delayed, you know? So I was fucked all <laughs> which was very surprising. They actually let me do that, you know? Wow. And but, uh, it was so from, it was from where, Shanghai to San Francisco? LA, but it was uh, it was a layover through San Fran. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's cool. <laughs> we we landed in LAX too. I think that was the first airport I went on. I remember I remember flying back then. People were still smoking. Right? People they would like go to the back oh, of the yeah, plane, yeah, yeah. and there'd be people there smoking cigarettes in the air. It just seems. So impossible. Yeah. Watching today. Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody did that. Yeah. I remember uh, like uh I got invited to um to sit with uh one of the flight attendants. Um he was on standby. We were chatting on the way back to Shanghai, my first trip back to Shanghai from the States. And we were chatting, mm-hmm. he invited me to like the first class and everybody was smoking. It was it was crazy <laughs> times, you know. Think back. It's like, how does that even like? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, you can't even. I think kids nowadays wouldn't even think that's something that's legal. I mean, that just not just for safety. 
yeah. Yeah. yeah times have changed but you know i i guess i don't know back in the day our first apartment you know it was but four five hundred it was like twelve hundred dollars we had another we had a share with another family but it was pretty pretty nice wow. we we lived in uh we lived in uh what was it um culver city in l.a okay culver city okay right how much did we pay a thousand a thousand a month God, I didn't know we were balling wow. that hard. Oh, so uh, it's a brand new townhouse. Yeah, so my upbringing in LA was definitely interesting. I mean, we I had to go to a public school, and uh, it was it was it was a multicultural. You know, there was a lot of um, you know, Hispanics mixed in with uh, Caucasian, and not not so much Asian. I remember I was probably there was some uh, Middle Easterns, but it was very very few mm. like chinese students mm. at that time i was probably one out of maybe two or three in a big elementary school i wow. remember i'm surprised i would think that uh, over in la would be a bunch there was well there was no i take that back there was definitely some taiwanese and some hong kong but it was a pretty small knitted group it's not yeah. like nowadays you know yeah, so, yeah and and i think it's fortunate for me because from what i see now a lot of the um, a lot a lot of the Chinese students come and they'll just pay the tuition because you know a lot of far that they don't really learn the English so they they go back with their degree but still with a fairly broken English at the time I just had to learn English because I I, I can't communicate with because there's not enough Asians you know so it was it was a good time for me to just own my craft and just learn it from the start you know. So, yeah, well, that really helped integration. Like you said, you don't have a choice, right? You, you have, yep. if you don't, you don't have no one. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, you guys lived in a townhouse. I remember we first came, we lived, we were in Arizona, Chandler, Arizona. So, okay. first apartment they got, I think it was about 300 or $400 a month. And uh, my dad was, he found a job uh, at a car wash. So he would be, he would be washing cars in a uh -huh. day. My mom was the one who f first got a job in a Chinese restaurant washing dishes. And then that's how they slowly moved over mm -hmm. to the restaurant industry. Otherwise, he was, he was washing cars if he didn't have uh, a ballet performance. Because you know? <laughs> in the ballet world, I guess you only get paid if they have shows. So he would do all kinds of different jobs in between. Right. Yeah, no, it's um, so in a sense, I feel like, you know, and my mom at the time was uh, babysitting. Babysitting, baby, babysitting. She was actually babysitting for an extremely wealthy family in Beverly Hills, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's so, wow. so, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting to just see the, uh, I'm like, oh, wow. People, people are, yeah, there's uh, no shortage of money in Beverly Hills at the time. And, uh, you know. Well, still like that today. What's that, what's that now? I'm sure it's still the same, right? It's always been like the Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, first car was a Honda so, Accord hatchback. Remember that? It was like 1980. <laughs> Pre-owned. Kind of like that interview that Jeff Bezos had. Uh, Back in the day, his Honda Accord, except he's already worth $10 million. But, you know, 
<laughs> what color? What color was it? It was it was uh, beige. It was beige. beige. Yeah. Yes, little hatchback. Yeah. 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 First first car we had was also a it was a red Honda Civic hatchback, I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I guess that must, that must be very common for the first wave of immigrants from China. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, my dad didn't know that he had to change the engine oil. So what happened was he was, the gears were grinding so hard and he was running on zero engine oil. That's when he knew that he had to go get engine oil changed, you know? <laughs> like a lot of funny, a lot of funny things that happened, you know? My, my dad first letters to my mom, he actually mailed it in, not the mailbox, but it was actually in like garbage cans. He thought like that was the mailbox. So he kept on putting, he, he kept on putting that. So my mom's like, will call. And back in the day, it was $3 and 75 cents per minute. Right. It was <laughs> yeah, ridiculously expensive. So my mom goes, how come you haven't written to me all these years? Are you abandoning the family? My dad's like, what are you talking about? You have not received it. All these letters. And what what ha- happened was he was he was putting it in empty garbage cans because he thought the lid was open. Like true story, right? You can't make that stuff up. <laughs> and then somebody saw him one day and then told him like, "Hey, you know what? By the way, this is you know this is not this is not a uh, a mailbox." <laughs> That's an incredible story. I can't believe that. Yeah. There there are there are so many fob stories. I think that. I think growing up, I, I was always very conscious conscious of you know am I doing the the right way you know <laughs> it's like mailbox thing like that. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I still have that fear. You know, moving, living in a different country, always you're not sure if you're doing things the right way. You know, but it doesn't really matter. Later, you'll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you live and you learn, you know? Yeah. So so do you remember, like, growing up and playing with the kids in your neighborhood? Do you remember what that was? Um, yeah, I played with the uh, first couple of years. Yeah, I had some some American friends, you know, but um, because it's a public school and, um, you know, it's very interesting because cause right, right away we were in this new built apartment right so some of my friends was like we would just hang out and then they would invite me to their place and you know they were basically living behind the hills in sort of like a refugee setup it was kind of like eye-opening for me you know this was in la right it was like so i saw the, the the really poverty side of it pretty quickly too you know so uh, yeah, so you just yeah. you just kind of uh, you know it just kind of engraves in your in your in in your brain a little bit on um, the different things that you encounter at a very young age in a foreign country when when you're like ten or eleven years old, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I guess when I was uh, around that age, I didn't really you know have a sense of poverty. You know, I, I think the neighborhood that I was in, running around in, was not the greatest. Now that I look back about it, mm-hmm. it's like it's it wasn't so great. Yes, but as a kid, you had a bunch of fun. You know, we. we I, oh, it was great! Yeah, yeah, we would hang out. I had some really close Hispanic friends. You know, they, they would teach me all these 
bad Spanish words right off the bat, you know, so I still remember all these words to this day. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. Yeah. I think well, I think learning swear words is the first thing. That's like the first Yeah. Step. So you know, too bad over the years. I wish I still have contact with them. You know, like some of some of the. You just as time goes by, you just make new yeah. friends, new friends along the way, and then some of the old friends you just slowly they just kind of fade. You know, it's uh, it's pretty. Well, you can find them now, right? Nowadays with I, social I, media, it's it's quite possible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you should try looking them up. Mm-hmm. Have you tried doing like a search? No, you see, the problem is, like, a lot of those, like, last names, I, I wouldn't know, you know? We just go by on first name uh, basis because we would all just hang out, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a few years ago, I was looking for one of my old friends. Finally found him, found his brother on Facebook and contacted him. It turned out that uh, he had died from an overdose. <laughs> pretty, yeah, oh, really? Yeah, pretty sad. Yeah, I just, you know, it, yeah, things just happen. I, I had, uh, in my college days, I know a guy had a massive heart attack and passed when he was like 36, I think, at the time. Wow. Yep. Yep. Wow. Recently just found a friend that passed with a nasal cancer. I think he's 38. Just a couple of weeks ago. It was a shock, you know? Jeez, that's so young. Yeah, well, I mean... It's so I think it, it, you know, it's genetics. He had it before he was in the clear for a while and then he got it again and he kept it a secret. We didn't even know. I think he passed in April and then I just found out like in September, you know. So, wow, it's terrible. Where is he from? He's from Taiwan, right? So, so I think Taiwan, my other friend in Taiwan right now, I don't know how he's doing. He didn't respond to me last time, but he also had nasal cancer. It's a genetic thing that happens fairly, uh, uh, it's prevalent in in the Taiwanese um, um, gene pool, I guess, if you really? will. Yeah. No. Yeah. Nasal cancer is a big thing over there. So all our Taiwanese friends better watch out. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So when did you guys move to Minnesota? Was it, was it, and was it for the... So we were in LA for about three and a half, I think four years. And then, so my, my dad moved, had moved from UCLA to USC, uh, got another gig with his current boss. And then, and then, um, the whole lab from USC moved, relocated to Mayo Clinic. So we made a big move to follow his big boss to uh to rochester right so and uh my parents been there ever since through the years okay so, so you can as a team oh okay 92 yep hey 92 is when we moved to minnesota as well interesting oh really yeah yeah, yeah. We, we first 92. moved to edina nice you guys moved straight to the Beverly Hills of uh, Minnesota. Nice. Well, I remember, you know, my dad said we have to live in a place where it's the best school. Like, it doesn't matter how much it costs. or yep. It's got to be the place of the best school. So they mm-hmm. chose Edina. We, and we moved into mm-hmm. an apartment in Edina. Obviously, we, we weren't able to buy our own home yet. 
And I, I just remember growing up in Edina mm-hmm. was so different than when I was in Arizona. Like kids didn't play outside all day. They, they, they pretty much, you know, were like doing after school activities, wearing hockey, <laughs> hockey clubs. And it was, it was a totally different experience being that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, there's something to be said about the uh, the old school kids where we grow up. Just play outside. I used to I, I used to love basketball, so I I used to spend probably four hours, three and a half, four hours a day, just be on outside and playing basketball and get into all sorts of silly silly things. You know. <laughs> sure, I think we have a lot in common, Phil. I didn't know you used to play basketball too. That was like. Oh yeah, I played a lot of basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, right now, you know, they call me ACP, Asian Chris Paul. You know, if I kept going, <laughs> if you if you kept going, you don't look like a basketball player. I would not have been able to tell. You know, I I would I would think you're more like a chess genius or something. No, no, I actually was uh, was the point guard for a while. I played for a uh, for a uh, junior high school for a couple of years too. So no way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, serious. I was on the school team, man. Yeah, cuz I was I was quick like a cat. My dribbling skill it was actually pretty good, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow, we got we got to play next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll play. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so So cause, so now, yeah. Cuz 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 no, cuz that was that was also the the cheapest outdoor activity that did not require any extra money you know it was just uh it was just yeah because uh, right now i look at my kid oh my god he's got what he's got swim he's got math you know kumon and he's got violin piano he's got fencing <laughs> golf right back in the day we didn't have that luxury to to like as yeah. like my parents never even knew what kind of extra extracurricular activity existed to be honest with you you know yeah 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 so, same here i i was i remember all my summers would just be you know staying at home playing video games or playing basketball i never went ever went to a yeah. summer camp or any of that stuff like my parents were just working all the time we were oblivious yeah Mm, no, and even even with the original Nintendo that came out, I, I remember that it was ninety nine dollars, the original yes. one, right? Yes. So I I really wanted it, but I I never really asked my parents for anything. I'm like I kind of want that, so my my parents bought it for me, and uh, my dad thought about it for a couple of days and said, you know what, it's it's too expensive. Let's return it. So I played it for one week oh. on the tomorrow. <laughs> oh no! So so yeah, it's crazy, right? But, so I, that was I, painful. I, I, yeah, that was pretty painful. But you know, it is what it is. You know, you just suck it up. You know. Mm. Yeah, I remember that was a such a big deal for me when my dad bought me a, a Nintendo and playing Mario Brothers. Uh-huh. I think the first game I got was Teenage Moon Ninja Turtles. Oh man. Yep. Uh, yep. And then, and then growing up in China. Uh, you know, who came? I wouldn't say from poverty, but we didn't have much money. I'm sure. I don't know what your parents' situation was. You know, yeah, yeah, same. So, man, I, I tell you, back in the day, I used to go into this toy shop. They had some high end toys. That they had this remote control tank. Okay, 
it was it was twenty eight RMB, twenty eight dollars. Well, back in the day, that was like half month of salary for some people, right? Yeah and, yeah, and I would go there. I remember after school, I would go there every single day just to check it out, just to check it out, right? Just to see window yeah. shop every single day. And after a while, I didn't really need the thing anymore because, like, I feel like I own it already. It was so weird. Hey, that's a good strategy. <laughs> never thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I, I, I never even dared to ask my parents to get that for me. You know, the only big, big money that my my mom spent was she bought me a violin. When I was like mm. six years old with 28 RMB, that was one month in salary. They bought it, but you know, I'm not the musician type, so <laughs> I, I faded right away on that. But uh. now, now, I remember when I was a kid in China, we would go window shopping, we'd just go check out things in the, in the store. I just remember everything was like behind a case, you know, like, like, like even chewing uh-huh. gum or something was in the case like you couldn't just pick it up and look yeah. at it uh, and hold it in a hand you know, was that the same uh-huh. way for you guys what's that now you know being able to being able to look at and touch the product i i remember all the product we had was behind a glass case for some reason was that the same way in shanghai yeah, I don't remember it closely, but we rarely go out and did any of that shopping. We we just go buy some food. It was really minimal, but it was some of the best times because I had a lot of cousins, and you know, I was the only kid, and I had a lot of cousins. Everybody lived under the same same roof, so yeah, uh, it was very tight. Do you have a lot of cousins as well, right? Probably growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody's under the same roof, and it's just a lot of entertainment. It was fun, you know. Like one big family. Yeah, I you know those are probably some of the happiest days when my grandfather and grandma were still around. You know, and, and now over the years, the whole family drifted to different parts of the world, and it's just like it's very hard to have a family reunion. You know, for sure. Yeah, same uh, thing. It's like the only thing keeping everyone together is WeChat. Yep. Yep. So, last time we had a family reunion that's semi-proper was in Australia. I was there for uh, Thanksgiving for just five days. I was in the air for two and a half, and I was actually physically there for, like, maybe three days, and I had to come back. But, yeah. So, So do you guys still have family in China? Yeah. Yep. Now, now what what is it like, you know, living there for them? You know, because I think... Sometimes we picture, we try to picture what would life be like if we had never left China, right? And then we look at some of the relatives that are still there. It kind of gives you a little bit insight. So are they are they really lo- loving it there, or are they kind of wish they would have moved to the states or something? I mean, once I mean their mentality is different. I guess my father always looked at envisioned. U.S. is the final destination for him from a very young age, you know? So, but with his um, siblings, my aunts and stuff, yeah, I mean, they, they, I guess they, they're very smart in their own right, but they're just not as ambitious, I guess, you know? In a way, yeah. I don't know how to put it. You know, they're just content, right? Yeah. So, um, but... So, with, with, with all the... You know, one thing I've noticed with our family or relatives in China is 
they have a they have a totally different uh, narrative, or they they hear a totally different story when it comes to the uh, China U.S. issues. Right? It's it's almost like it's almost like I can't even talk to them because they they hear totally different things. It's very really, really strange. Uh, yeah, it is. You know, it, it, yeah, di- different versions. You know, but I mean, we all know what's true and what's not. From you know, we have enough sources. But it's unfortunate that it's still sort of an iron curtain, iron curtain over there a little bit. You know. Yeah. Well, I think I think our news isn't exactly unfiltered either. I think if you look at our media, it can be quite skewed, especially when you look at domestic issues to the left or right. You know. Um, oh yeah, everything. Yeah, that's the problem with the social media. There's so much junk out there. You got to use your intelligence and try to filter out what's what's proper and what's not. You know. But even when you and that's the problem when you think that one side is proper. Well, you're not even reading 100% of the accurate facts either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, it's, it's, actually, it's actually pretty sad to see the current climate in the U.S. where it's touring. Like I've, I know like families got kind of torn apart with the, everybody so sensitive and walking on eggshells even within the family members, you know? Like, like yeah, I, got, I know crazy. friends that, you know, the brother and sisters have not talked for four or five years just because <laughs> – just because oh, it's it be, just because it's e- either their religious differences or political differences, you know, and it, it's just like my way or the highway. Everybody's thinking that, so it's it's pretty sad, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think sometimes that's that's when when we think, you know, is it is it better to have um, a state that controls the whole media? So that you don't have this type of natural tendency to split, or is it better to have a free for all, completely free press? Well, not, not exactly free. I'd say that they're also chained down by economics as well, right? They need to make money. So is, is it um, is it better? You know, which system? I mean, better? no, that's yeah. This is not an easy answer to that, but I think it's uh, there's pros and cons to both systems, definitely, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just for example, if China wants to test their EV cars, they could shut down the whole city. There's no ifs and buts. They just shut the whole thing down. Nobody's going to be on the road. You know, we're going to come and test it. And that's not feasible in the U.S. without the regulations. It's just stuff like that. Now, when, when are they doing that? I, I, I heard that they're doing a lot of EVs now, but I didn't hear them. Oh, no, they did it. This was years back. They just shut down the whole city. And then uh, <laughs> they just go in there like, you know, you know, if, if the authoritative uh, – um, you know, uh, plan is in place. You just gotta follow, follow. Like when, remember when the Beijing Olympics, because they want to yeah, reduce yeah. the pollution. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, only the even number of cars could be on the road, and the the other four days is the even number. They had to switch up, so they reduced. Remember right. that? Well, yeah, yeah. It was like that when I was living there too. Okay, yeah. So this kind of stuff would never fly. Right here. I mean, can you? It, it's, well, is this so bad though? I mean, there, there are there are some things like okay, if they didn't do that, the traffic in Beijing would would be unbearable. I mean, it, it took me four minutes. It took no that's four, what, forty that's minutes. What, right. That's what I'm saying. That's so five kilometers and, away. Yeah, yeah, there's pros and cons. I mean, that's one of the pros. Yeah. You could just say, "I'm gonna do this," and everybody follows suit. 
no challenges, no lawsuits, none of that, you know? So. Yeah, like like this whole thing with the uh, recently with the gaming regulations coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like two or yeah. three hours a week, and that's it for kids, you know. And uh, you know, and I think they're going to do something similar to social media as well. And uh, as a parent, okay. I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I'd be I'd be all for that. You will be all for that. No, I I have to disagree on that. I I would like to have. I I would love to have the choice like what we have right now. I could limit the timer on the iPad for my kid, right? Instead of being governed and like this is how it's gonna be. You know, Uh, I I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but thinking when when your son is sixteen years old, are you gonna still be able to? Is he gonna listen to you? Are you gonna be able to have that oversight? You know, or is he going to be able to just play what he wants? Well, I, I, hopefully at 16 years of age, I have disciplined him enough to he, that he knows better, <laughs> right? Otherwise, I think I'm a failure as a, as a father. <laughs> I don't well, know. Yeah, yeah. Just just think about when we were 16. I, I You know, I think uh, when we were 16, the internet was blossoming and on, online online porn was kind of the biggest thing now, right? And now, now mm-hmm. they've got basically an unlimited supply of that stuff, uh, and high at high yeah, speed, it just pops up. <laughs> it just pops up. It just pops up. Even yep. if they don't want it, it's like uh, some of the ads nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's almost like soft porn. Soft porn. That is, that is true. That is true. That popped up on uh, on one of my friend's daughter's feed when she was ten or eleven, and uh, she was like, I think, watching like a threesome. Or some, and then in the back of the car. So the mom found out, and she was crying, like, "What's going on?" You know, I'm like, um, but yeah, just stuff like that is happening younger and younger. I think also the kids are getting mature way faster than how we used to do it. Because back in the day, yeah. our growing path was pretty organic. Now it must be all the KFC yeah. and all the hormone in the food that they're ingesting that they're just maturing way faster right and also back in the day in china obesity was not a problem at all but now you look at some of the younger kids they're just getting bigger and bigger because there's no um just like too much junk food you know i don't know yeah food i think i think food culture has definitely changed a lot and also the some of the but even even in china right now a lot of kids are having that issue because of uh you know probably even worse so than the u.s because i think that's one of the biggest problems is the food food chain supply there's they need to regulate that first and foremost in my opinion you know i think the stuff they eat is absolutely like i don't know it's just all fabricated and like there should be some transparency in the quality of food over there. Right. Yeah. Food quality over there is, is definitely a challenge. There's definitely, there's no transparency there. Um, I think even today they're trying to fix up the food supply chain, but when you have a country with uh, that many people, you know, over a billion people, it's not, it's not easy to tackle either. Yeah, and the other thing is China. China's cancer rate is skyrocketing too. Really, you know, COVID yeah. is one thing, but cancer rate from from uh, from food and al- like alcohol is majority of it is fake when you go out to club or bars, which is crazy, right? 
<laughs> like, have you ever had that? Have you have you noticed that when you were because you were in Beijing not too long ago for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I I was I've been told that there's a lot of fake alcohol now. When you、mm-hmm. do go to those places, I don't think you're there to drink good alcohol anyway, and you kind of expect to have a major hangover anyway. So I I don't know if I was drinking the real、mm-hmm. stuff or not. I don't know. How can you tell? Well, well, I see. I drink scotch mostly, and the hard liquor you could taste right away. I mean, it's completely off.、Mm-hmm. I remember I had a an after party. I was drinking some、uh, Johnny Walker, and it's it's so fake that that you get a head <laughs> rush on the first sip. I'm like, this is not right. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And you、yeah. know what the funny thing is? So in Shanghai, even the legit places. I told you, remember,、uh, you were in Singapore and you called me and I didn't reply. I was I got food poisoned. Uh, at one of the restaurants on、yeah. the Bund is like a like a、wow. Michelin star rated. I had a bad oyster. It, it was just that bad. It was a very very classy restaurant, you know. So I was sick for two and a half days. I couldn't even get out of bed. That's how bad it was, you know. <laughs> Stuff like and even like right now, I was in Vegas recently, and、uh, the new the new um uh. Casino they open it's it's from the Malaysia yeah Yingting、uh, uh-huh. they open a a, a chain it's called Resort World and I was there and then, oh oh yeah yeah Resort World yeah so I was there and then I ordered a scotch and that was fake it tasted just like the thing I tasted in Shanghai are you serious I I kid you not so and I had a bad drink in、uh, the Venetian okay I knew something wasn't right and then yeah and then you get severely intoxicated. And、uh, I, I had the same experience in Mexico once. So in Resort World, I talked to the manager. I'm like, I, I wanted a Glenlivet. This is not Glenlivet. So the server came back with the manager, and they said, you know what? There was a, just a generic Scotch bottle. It's huge, right? So when you order it,、oh. they just pour it from there. It's not what I ordered, and they they actually confirmed right. that, right? So, <laughs>、wow. yeah. Well, I think I think、uh, luckily you could taste it. I mean, you're such a Scotch connoisseur now. <laughs> and then,、uh, yeah, and the, the Hennessy in Chicago clubs that was fake too. Some of the Chinese run、uh, clubs that's also fake because you save so much money, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs>、uh, it's, it, 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 profit is a, is a killer. It's、uh, yeah, it、uh, drives people uh, to uh, pure greed. I think so. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's been a while since I've been in China, and I, I don't know if that that type of scene is still very vibrant,、um, given COVID. It's been happening, but also recently, and some of my friends in China, like the trend is not to go to bars anymore. Nobody goes, and even at dinner, they don't drink that much anymore. Everyone is just has gone super healthy, civilized. Super healthy. Super healthy, and it's almost—it's almost like if you and I were to do that now,、uh, we'd be looked down upon. <laughs> like, oh, those guys are old.、Uh, they're out of style. They're just doing things that are not civilized. I heard it's like that now. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's the trend. That is the trend. So, yeah. Every, every, so everyone's. Pe- pe- So everybody's are health cautious. Are they eating? Are they eating imported cows from、uh, Switzerland? Is that what they're doing too? No, <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> probably maybe that's why our cow our beef is so expensive here in Switzerland. Going to、uh-huh. China, 
that's 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 interesting yeah but that's no the the thing about china is i've been going back every single year since i've been in the states almost once a year i go visit so i'm pretty much on par with what's going on and all the facade changes over the years you know and it's drastic pretty drastic especially early 90s to mid 2000s i mean the transition was crazy right yeah yeah it went from pretty practically not much to a uh, to a New York City, you know, in yeah, Ch- in Shanghai, yeah. in a hurry. So, um, I yeah, I think it. I think that change is only accelerated. Like I remember, I would go there maybe once every three to four months for business. This was back in two thousand seventeen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it was it was changing yeah. so fast. It was all of a sudden there were like mobile bikes. You know, all these bike sharing things popped up. Or like everybody all of a sudden was paying yep. with their phone. It was just the, the whole society changes very fast when it comes to uh, technology too. Yeah, and the and the mentality between like me growing up here, going back every year and see what like my relatives and my cousins like their trend is always changing. I remember it's very trendy to get as many new cell phones. Uh, replacements as possible, you know. So everybody's just <laughs> like my cousin will get like four or five different phones over like a year. She would just keep on upgrading. I'm like, what? Are you, like it's just not my cup of tea, right? But anybody's doing it, you know. I don't they even always want that. the newest and the latest. And the thing is, like their monthly salary is not that not that much. Right. So they will spend like a couple thousand RMB here and a couple thousand there throughout the year just to upgrade your Nokia phones to like TLC to like, yeah. And then I think it's it slowed down now because, you know, like one iPhone, they could just use it for a long time. But, yeah, but it was such a trend, I believe. Wow. You know? Wow. Well, I know that um, one of the things that happened in the last couple of years was the retail lending space. You know, like retail lending was wasn't really popular in China, and then uh, we had all these micro lenders that popped uh-huh. up. Ant Group was one of them too, and it was so easy to borrow. Uh-huh. You know, ten thousand or fifty thousand RMB just just for a few taps of your phone, um, and you know the regulation, <laughs> the, the the rules of lending were not clear either because retail lending hasn't been popular. And these are not loans from the banks. These are loans from companies like Ant. Um, so it's it's probably like a little it's, shark. It's loan, almost right? like it's a char- it's almost like a shark loan. And uh, I, I yep. found out about it because my my sister in law got into quite a bit of debt. I mean, she racked up like six figures of debt oh. in a few months. You know, and and this is what she Whoa. she ended up she knew she was in trouble when she was borrowing from one place to pay another and when we were trying to help her look through it we we couldn't even, so some of these guys you couldn't even find what was the interest rate everything was so obscure but borrowing money was mm-hmm. super easy you know yeah i mean the, yeah the, those things i mean it's hard to uh to crack down but i didn't know that was a, that was a thing that's that's pretty crazy yeah that's yeah. kind of like that's kind of like in South Africa in the casinos. There's just shark loans, just like back in the day in Hong Kong, right? Like mm-hmm. you get yeah. in a, you get in trouble. It's uh, what is it? It's ten percent a week or something crazy. You gotta pay it back. It's 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 asinine. 
Yeah, it's it's. I think that's one of the reasons why the ant IPO was stopped. I mean, they they had created a closed loop financial system outside of the central bank, where they would lend directly to retailers, to consumers, and uh, at extremely high interest rates mm-hmm. that nobody could understand, and all through their their uh, WeChat or. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of scary. There's all sorts of extortion like that. I mean, and then, yeah, I don't know. So China is ever-changing. I don't know if it's for the better or worse, but it's always evolving, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a while till we can go back in and, and check it out again. But sometimes one of these days, we're going to have to go and, and meet up in China, have, have a trip together. Yeah, I would love that. That would be fun. And, uh, you know. But I've been Hopefully into, can avoid the fake whiskey. I, I have been. Yeah, I just bring my own BYOB. Yeah, just pay a cork fee, man. <laughs> that's that's what I did last time I was there. I just bring my own, you know. So that's a lot safer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, we're coming up to the to the hour, and um, yeah, I gotta get the kids into the shower. But it, sounds it good. Was, it was that good was fun. To catch up with you, and just I think it's really interesting to hear that you're background your immigration background is so similar so similar to mine i bet there's a lot of people with a similar story too that's good all right well till next time i think that was fun